0: I could do a whole podcast on all the music theory you don't need to know. Hey. Maybe some key signatures, <laughs> reading music notation. Music theory nerds are getting upset in the chat. Figured bass. What about alto clef? Oh, God. If you're a guitar player who feels like you're not getting any better at guitar, stick around because Carl and I are back with another episode around the four roadblocks which might be holding back your guitar progress.
1: So welcome back, everyone. Just want to thank everybody again for listening. I think Sam pointed out in the last episode, we had reached our 10 episode milestone. So thanks to all of you for joining us on this journey.
0: And before we get started with the first roadblock, just a reminder, if you wouldn't mind, rating us on the podcast app and sharing us with a friend, it helps immensely. So the first roadblock, um, which might be contributing to you not getting any better at guitar, is staying in your comfort zone. So this might mean staying at home, it might mean
1: not auditioning, it might mean not writing that song or going to the jam session. Or just playing the same things that you play over and over on guitar, which a lot of us are guilty of, but that that is definitely the number one reason for staying in your comfort zone.
0: And I guess I would add right off the bat that it is good to stay in your comfort zone. You want to be comfortable when you're playing guitar. You want to be comfortable in different keys with different scales. But in order to expand your comfort zone, you got to step outside the comfort zone. So Carl, what are some experiences which you've had where you really kind of took that step forward and it paid
1: off for you? Hmm, yeah, great question. I think, first of all, my early days of college, I was constantly being told to go to jam sessions. So I did over and over and over again and kept getting embarrassed, kept making a fool of myself. It was a very traumatic experience, I would say. Did you have anything similar when it comes to jam sessions, Sam? Yeah, were those jazz jam sessions or yes. like what's up?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The jazz jam session is its own thing. It's it's there's a rich history. I think the word is cutting, getting, getting cut. Is it,
1: is that the right yeah, word? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like getting the symbol tossed at you or cutting, getting cut. Yeah, Not s- literally cut.
0: Like I mean, maybe right. back in the forties and fifties, but <laughs> yeah, it's super intimidating. I went through it as well. So how did you kind of get through that initial, you know, friction around putting yourself out there,
1: particularly as a younger musician? I would say my network, I had quite a few friends that I would be doing this with. So The fact that everyone was failing and sometimes succeeding, sometimes failing, we were going through that together. So I think that was part of what made it uh, sustainable.
0: Yeah. For me, it was a really great experience because people would be calling songs, which I had no clue. And one of the worst things is (laughs) when you're up there on the stage, someone calls a song and you don't know it. So either A, you have to just learn it really quickly. B, ask the bass player, what are the chords of the song? And then ultimately it's C, which is you go home and then learn that dance song. So then the, the next week when you come back to the jam, you're like, yeah, I know that song. And then you rip a
1: blazing solo over it. Yeah. And just in general, I mean, we're talking about kind of jam sessions specifically, but you know, nowadays it, it might just be, are you performing for anyone? Are you playing any of the music that you're working on? It could be for your family. It could be for a friend. It doesn't have to be necessarily you know, for thousands of people or anything, but just playing for other people, you know, after all music is something, sure, we can experience it, um, and enjoy it for ourselves. But I think at the end of the day, the real joy in music comes from sharing it and giving it um, to people. Totally agree. And that, that might mean recording a little
0: song, even a 60 second song and just taking that leap and releasing it on Spotify, why not, you know, Mm. chuck it up via DistroKid or something, or maybe it's writing a song for a special occasion or for a family member and then performing that song. That's a cool experience. And the last Mm -hmm. thing I I would add here is that anytime you can perform or work with people who are better than you at a given skill, even beyond guitar, that's when you're going to progress the fastest. So embrace the discomfort of, uh, whether it's a jam session or collaborating on a track. Um, and it doesn't even have to be with the guitar player, right? Like I'm sure, Carl, you've you've jammed with great drummers or bass players or singers, and that has
1: helped your musicality. Yeah, of course, of course. You've mentioned write a song for a special occasion before, Sam. I've, I get the sense that you do this a lot.
0: Have you written a song for your daughter yet? Is that is that some,
1: any original uh, kids' tunes? No, I, um, well, I wrote a, like a mantra for her when she was still in the womb. Um mm. But no, I haven't written a song for her yet. That's, that's interesting.
0: Cool. So roadblock number two is a lack of organization. And I guess oh boy. when, when you think of guitar, you might not think of structure. You might not think of consistency of organization. All of these words don't sound like you're learning guitar. It sounds like you go into med school or learning maths, math, mm. sorry for the American listeners there, <laughs> but
1: it is important. I don't know if this is exactly related Sam, but I have a story about how I almost didn't get a gig that ended up being a year of touring because I was not prepared for the first rehearsal. So I actually like kind of got the gig. Um, and then I just didn't really realize that at the first rehearsal, I was supposed to be, it was supposed to be like nail in the coffin. Like, you know, all the songs, you know, all the words, you know, every part. Uh, and that was kind of the expectation. And it might've been a little bit of a combination of that. And then just not really having enough time to like learn everything, but still, I, I basically the tour manager called me after that first rehearsal and he was like, um, you know, it's kind of not quite what we were expecting. So we'll give you one more chance, like at the next rehearsal in two days. And, uh, and so I literally practiced for like 48 hours (laughs) and I showed up and, uh, Nailed it, you know, did, did a really good job. But anyways, the takeaway is in those days, I feel like I lacked a sense of particularly organization. Um, so if we apply this to, you know, uh, anything else that that we're talking about here, if we're talking about a pathway, if we're talking about preparing for a gig, um, you know, it doesn't have to be as intense as that situation. But having a systemized plan to practice and like check things off is so much more helpful than just kind of winging it and having it be a little bit loose. Um, What do you think about that, Sam?
0: Yeah, I've can. i never done like a big touring gig, but um, I'm kind of the opposite in that I always over-prepare and I just turn up and and be like, oh, this is a bit easier. I I didn't need to put on all that hard work. The the example I give is wedding gigs, I think is such a great example um, where the band leader will be like, I'll just go and learn these like 100 songs. (laughs) Yes. And how do you learn 100 songs? Well, I guess the easiest one is to know the songs. But if you don't, my approach was get a spreadsheet and if you're listening and you're a fan of spreadsheets leave a leave a five-star review because we're we're of we're the same um but yeah so it aligns with your point is that if you have kind of upcoming gig or a recording or just something even if you invent it yourself it forces you to be more organized in your practice and to prioritize what you practice rather than just noodling around without a set goal in mind so for me in that wedding example, it was here's the hundred songs, then it was here's the the songs with the guitar solo, those are the ones I'm gonna make sure I nail, like rolling in reeling in the ears, not rolling in the deep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like gotta gotta nail the Steely Dan solo, right? Gotta right. Gotta, gotta nail yeah. anything with the guitar part. And those are the ones I prioritized. Um, so there's there's different ways to bring structure into your practice. And just some advice here from me is Learning a solo uh, is a great way to do it because you can do a phrase by phrase. So every time you sit down with your guitar, learn another lick. And then by the end of the week, you have a complete solo. Another mm. one is a practice journal. Some guitarists find that helpful. Some people feel like it takes the fun out of music. But if you if you gym, uh, it's, it's a similar system to going to the gym. And then the last one, of course, would be take a pick up music learning pathway. Those are the most <laughs> systemized way to learn guitar.
1: Yeah, well, that's a given. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, this, this idea of organization combined with creativity, I was listening to a John Mayer podcast with Rick Rubin. Um, and John was talking about, basically he has a, a system now for writing songs. He's, he's developed this over, you know, his whole career. And basically he, um, has a whiteboard in the room where he's writing with his friends or whatever. Uh, and they have, okay, the, the verse, they have the different sections of the song and he checks them off as they go. And that way, like sometimes he might write the, the chorus first and then they check it off. And so then it's just mentally, they're like, okay, we have one less thing to work on. And, you know, I think here the same thing could apply to, to your practicing. You know, if you, if you are thinking actively about, okay, I want to get better at these three things. Um, the verse, the bridge and the chorus of my, of my practice routine, boom, you check it off. And then it's just a visual thing that can help, um, you know, make you feel like you have accomplished something, but also you have less to do. Really great point. And I, I think, yeah, you see that in other creative uh, pursuits as
0: being organized and having structure. Mm. You know, I, I can think of like UI design. There's like so many rules with visual design that as a consumer, you just see something pretty and, oh, that makes me feel a certain way. But the designers but designers are very systematic and rule-based people, but also with the added flair. You know, I'm sure John Mayer has his own ways to inject the creativity on top of uh, the rules. Uh, roadblock number three is uh, one that, I think we all fit into from time to time i know i sure do and that's being a bedroom
1: guitarist yeah playing at home not with people there's no collaboration yeah i'm definitely guilty of that as well and especially in the the days of you know instagram and and things like that yeah sam i mean you're what, what what are your thoughts on this
0: well i have a john mayer anecdote i remember him in his stories calling out instagram guitarists for not having good rhythm feel because they just play at home so so i remember john may calling up people for being bedroom guitarists but it is kind of the nature of the the world that we live in these days that we're right. all, i mean not so much now but we, we, we've been locked at home i would say that uh that feeling of being out there and performing and jamming with musicians of a very high level uh, and i'm not talking about guitarists i'm talking about that experience the lived experience of playing with a really great bass player where you can feel it in your chest oh, you can yeah a great bass player mm-hmm. the bass is an extension of the internal feel and that's something that you can never forget and you can only experience that in a in a jam or on a live session so that's something that i i i, I really remember from my time in new york There was a jam session called the lesson where people were killing it the the best mm-hmm. musicians in new york and also just some wedding gigs with some really great bass players that's that's a really strong feeling um, that i got outside the bedroom and then drummers i would put into that nothing feels better than than performing with a live drummer but you know not all of us are out there in new york hitting the streets so maybe you get a, a drum track or a video of a great drummer or a bass player and jam along with them um, whatever you can do to emulate not just playing guitar at home
1: yeah those are really good points sam I think though, like you said, there are two sides to that coin because it is the world we live in, and there's nothing wrong with like you know doing a really creative collab with someone on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, uh, you know. And and there's a lot of creativity there. You're working on your production skills. You know, there's like all these skills that that you're still developing if you're just working in home in your bedroom. Um, but that that being said, there's a whole element of, of everything that you just mentioned playing with amazing players that are better with you being probably one of the biggest reasons to get out there and conquer that fear uh, and just, you know, play with new people. So our last roadblock is learning licks and songs, but not really knowing the concept behind it or how to apply it.
0: Yeah. So, so many guitarists, uh, we all start out learning songs. We want to play our favorite songs. But once you get to the intermediate through to advanced stage, yes, you'll keep learning songs. but you become more interested in the underlying concepts. And by that, I mean, maybe Mm. a bit of music theory, uh, which can be a scary thing, but even as simple as what are the numbers to the chords of the song? Or when it comes to a lick, what chord is that lick used on? Is it over the one chord? Is it over a major chord? And Mm -hmm. with that knowledge and understanding, you go from someone who can, play a lick to a song or play a song to someone who can uh, use their vocabulary to compose and write and create your own songs building on that foundation of transcribing or learning solos to make your own great
1: music man that is such a good point i think that is something that really separates people when they get to that intermediate kind of plateau and they're not really sure how to get to that next level it's like you mentioned understanding chords but also understanding chord tones i think and and you know how those chord tones can color uh, a chord when you're improvising over it like oh i want to ev- i want to evoke the feeling of a ninth over a major chord like having that as your tonal palette is uh, and understanding that so getting back to a lick right that's what the concept that we're talking about you know so if you if you just learn a beautiful major nine lick but you don't understand its context or how to apply it in a different key then you know that's what we're talking about here that's what can hold people back yeah
0: really well said and it's one of the best things about art is you see someone's work and you can see the who inspired them so someone like mateas sato so he's someone who has the neo soul thing but he also used to be a shriller back in the day in mi so he has right. this insane technique and And uh, even someone like John Mayer, you can hear Stevie Ray Vaughan in there and you can hear other influences to him. And it's that same process that we're talking about here. They learned songs, licks from their favorite artists, understood the concept, combined those influences and then came up with their own thing. And that's what we all go through. And that's why we all, without trying, sound unique when we pick up guitar because no one um, listened to and learned the same songs that you did exactly.
1: And a little bit of theory knowledge goes a long way. You know, I think it's like, Kind of and that's what our I think our pathways do well is that we tell people, okay, this is like this is what you need to know. Like you don't need to like necessarily go off and take a college level theory course. Just learn this. This is it, you know. So
0: I could do a whole podcast on all the music theory you don't need to know. Hey. <laughs> Let's start off with uh, maybe some key signatures. <laughs> reading uh, music notation. Music theory nerds are getting upset in the chat. They're like, oh,
1: no, I don't know
0: that. <laughs> Figured bass. What about alto clef? Oh, God. (laughs) Well, thanks for tuning in uh, to another episode of the pod. Just a reminder, if you enjoyed it, please give us a rating. really helps. And uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and and share it with a friend, a fellow guitar player or
1: someone who you think might enjoy it. We really appreciate it. And by the way, anybody that's listening... We are doing an open mic on our upcoming office hours this Monday both at 10 a.m and 4 p.m Pacific time. So if you're looking to you know get over this roadblock of not getting out of your comfort zone where it's a completely open mic, you can play anything you like and uh, we'll we'll see you there.